Over the last few weeks, I've been exploring the messed up origins of scary stories to tell in the dark, the book series responsible for making my childhood and millions of others a lot more terrifying than it needed to be. Thanks to Alvin Schwartz and his illustrator, Stephen Gamble, I grew up thinking there was a real chance that a spider would lay eggs in my face or a witch was gonna turn me into a horse and ride me around the countryside. But as I later learned, these scary stories are just that, stories. And while many of them have roots that stretch back hundreds of years, they used to serve a more important purpose than just scaring people. They were cautionary tales that taught important life lessons. We've already explored the folklore behind two of Scary Story's most feared figures, Harold and the Pale Lady, as well as the lessons they were meant to teach. But in this episode, I want to uncover the origins of the story that started it all, the big toe, and how the minds behind the recent Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film adapted it for modern audiences. I hope you brought a change of clothes because you're in for a ride that's as terrifying as it is hilarious. You're gonna be shitting and pissing all over your pants today. First though, I want to let my fellow appreciators of Death and Decay know that our first official batch of mythological merch has officially dropped over at MereMortals.store. Death deities always get a bad rep in movies and TV, but you guys really seem to love them. So in their honor, we partnered up with one of my favorite artists, Kinjiro, to bring the Lords of Death to life. And the results are metal as hell. Whether you expect to see Hades, Osiris, or Hell herself on the other side, we've got you covered. And if you hurry toward their cold embrace fast enough, the first 100 of you will get a 15% discount. Just follow our Mere Mortals link in the description or pinned comment and use code RIP15 at checkout. And now that I've sold my soul to several death gods, let's dive into the very messed up origins of the big toe. If you turn to the very first page of the first Scary Stories book, you'll be greeted with a title page. But if you keep turning and turning and turning some more, you'll find the big toe. This was the story that Alvin Schwartz chose to start his collection with, and by the end of this episode, you'll understand why. It begins with a little boy digging at the edge of his family's garden when he finds a big toe sticking out of the dirt. He's unsure why it's there or who it might belong to, but he's a young lad, so he gets curious and pulls on it, which causes it to break off whatever it was attached to. Suddenly, he hears something groan and scamper away. He looks around for whoever or whatever made the noise, but there's no one around, so he takes the abnormally large toe in the house to show his parents. When he presents it to his mother, she gets a great big smile on her face and celebrates her son's rare find. She says, it looks nice and plump. I'll put it in the soup and later that day, they serve it for dinner. The father places the great big pot of soup on the table, then he fishes out the toe and cuts it into three equal pieces for his family to share. Each of them eats a slice, remarking how delicious it tastes with their usual vixens. Then when dinner was finished and the sun was set, they washed their dishes and went to bed. The boy had fallen asleep almost instantly, but a little while later, he woke up to a strange noise. As he looked around his room, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. His toys were piled in the corner, the moonlight was peeking through his window, everything seemed calm, but then he heard it. Just outside his window, a voice called out, Where is my toe? Reflexively, the boy pulled his blanket over his head and covered his eyes. He was shaking with fear now. 
The voice doesn't know where I am, he tried convincing himself. It'll be gone when I wake up in the morning. But at that moment, his front door creaked open and the sound of footsteps echoed through the house. They made their way through the kitchen, across the living room, up the staircase, and down the hallway. Then the voice called out from the other side of his bedroom door. Where is my toe? Too afraid to peek out from under the covers, the boy curls into the smallest ball he can, just hoping the voice will go away but it doesn't. His bedroom door opens and those heavy, wet footsteps get louder and louder as they approach his bedside. The voice asks again, Where is my toe? You've got it! Oh my god, did I scare you? I'm sorry, I was just following the instructions. For real, the story actually says here, jump at the person next to you and shout, you've got it. Now the big toe story is actually just one in a long line of folk tales that follow a similar premise. Yeah, believe it or not, people all across Europe and beyond really enjoy telling stories about stealing from the dead, devouring their organs, and in some cases, eating feces. Before we dive into those stories though, and the lessons they were meant to teach, let's unpack how the big toe was incorporated into the movie. For starters, the film has a unique and rather meta plot where its main characters are scared to death of the stories in this cursed book coming true, just like we were when we read them as kids. But for them, there's actually reason to believe these made-up tales aren't made up after all. Their rendition of the big toe story follows a character named Augie, who expresses concern several times throughout the film over the potentially toxic ingredients of his friend's food. Do you even know what's in those? It's the same toxic chemicals that's giving our troops Hodgkin's lymphoma and curdling the breast mm. milk of the South Vietnamese. And you ate them all. Mm. Is that why they taste so good? One night, when his parents are off on vacation, he helps himself to some stew that he finds in the fridge. Only, after he's a few bites into it, he realizes this stew had a secret ingredient. A big toe. Suddenly, he hears a voice down the hall cry out. Who took my toe? And instead of yeeting himself out the nearest window like he absolutely should have, he runs to his bedroom to hide. Augie slams his door, haphazardly tries to open his windows, then retreats under his bed for safety. As he waits there, either for his friends to rescue him or the toe's owner to find him, the bedroom door creaks open and he has no idea who's on the other side. Curiously, he doesn't see anyone walk in either, so he cautiously climbs out from under the bed to check if the coast is clear. But that's when... It happens. The toeless corpse pulls Augie into the abyss, and while we never learn the specifics of his fate, just like in the original story, he is never seen again. Now, apart from this being the most avoidable death in the movie, what with Augie just having to escape outside to meet up with his friends who are on their way to his house, I enjoyed this reimagining of the story. Because in order to make it work exactly as it plays out in the book, the victim and his family would have to be a bunch of swamp-dwelling yokels who don't realize it's disgusting to eat a corpse's toe. That could work great in an anthology-style film, but would obviously be pretty difficult to shoehorn into this film's plot. So, they sent his parents on vacation and made the stew mysteriously show up in his fridge. Okay, I'm eating the stew. The stew in the fridge? Yeah, well, someone made it. This way, the audience can't be sure who the chef behind it is or question the number of functioning brain cells that chef might have. 
and I appreciate their attempts to remedy that. When it comes to the design of the toe's owner, some of you die-hard Scary Story fans may have noticed that she looks awfully similar to a monster from another tale from this series called The Haunted House. But that's a very different story about a woman who was murdered and her ghost visiting a priest so he can help catch the culprit. I just bought the book that'll help me uncover that one's origin, so be sure to subscribe to catch that episode next month. In the meantime, though, we've got to unpack the disturbing details of the folklore that inspired the Big Toe's creation, after a word from our sponsor, Squarespace. For anyone looking to get your business off the ground, put your homemade products on the market, or simply share your art or passion project with the world, Squarespace has all the answers you're looking for. I love working with Squarespace because they do DIY website creation better than anybody else out there. Between their massive selection of website templates that can be optimized for any purpose, to their intuitive interface that lets you drag and drop design elements wherever you'd like without any coding experience. They make designing a beautiful and effective website so Simple. You never have to download, patch, or install any updates, and you could sell virtually anything you'd like from homemade goods to digital products. Not to mention, they even offer marketing tools and analytics so you can gauge how successful your website is and an award-winning customer service team that's available 24-7 should you run into any problems. But the best part is, if you go to squarespace.com slash johnsolo, you can start a completely free trial at no financial risk. So not only do you save money during the setup process, but then, when you decide you love it and can't live without it, you can use code John Solo for 10% off your first purchase. Now, as crazy as it sounds, there's an important lesson to be learned from stories like The Big Toe and the many, many tales like it. That lesson is, leave the dead the hell alone. They're dead, okay? They're not with us anymore. Their body is a husk with no soul, and they cannot consent to being part of your dinner plans. The only activities that dead bodies should engage in are being buried, burned, or thrown in the garbage. And once those are done, just let them be. Otherwise, you're gonna end up like the victims of these folktales, which can all be classified as ATU-366, a corpse reclaims its property. These stories always follow the same formula. A person steals something from a dead body, and in response, the dead body tracks them down and takes it back. Usually, the stolen something is an organ or body part that the thief intends to eat, sell, or spend. In fact, there's even another story in the second installment of this series called Clinkity Clink, where a gravedigger steals the two silver dollars that were being used to keep a dead old woman's eyes shut and she pays him a visit to get them back. But the most famous tale of this type has to be The Golden Arm, which owes much of its fame to Mark Twain telling it to his audience while on tour. The setup for this story is quite a bit different than The Big Toe, but the end result is the same. Essentially, a selfish man marries a beautiful woman with a golden arm. Then, when she dies, he cuts off her golden arm and buries the rest of her body. While he's on his way back from burying her, he hears a voice in the distance calling out, Who has my golden arm? He races home as fast as he can, which isn't fast at all thanks to a snowstorm, rushes to his bedroom, and hides under the covers. But the voice continues to get closer and closer until he feels his dead wife's cold lips pressed against his ear, and she yells, You've got it! 
Sorry, did I scare you again? I swear, I'm just following instructions. Don't you find it kind of funny that whether the protagonist is a middle-aged man or a little boy, they react to the voice in identical fashion by hiding under the covers? It goes to show that our fears of death and the supernatural don't disappear with age. These fears are intrinsic to the human experience, which is partially why these stories are so popular. Variants have been found in Russia, Poland, Iceland, England, Denmark, Italy, the Deep American South, and Germany. But the German variant the Grimm Brothers collected has a slightly different ending, which Alvin Schwartz actually includes his own version of in The Big Toe. In Schwartz's rendition, the boy hears the voice looking for its toe, and instead of hiding, he finds the source of it a strange-looking creature lurking in his chimney. Next, he has a Red Riding Hood-style dialogue with the creature. He asks, What are your eyes so big for, and why is your mouth so huge? When he reaches his final question, Why are your teeth so sharp? The creature screams, To chomp your bones! Then the storyteller is instructed to jump on one of their friends. This is the exact formula the Grimm brothers followed, only in their story the protagonist is not a little boy, but rather an old woman who had no food to feed her guest with, so she ran out to the gallows and cut out the liver of a man who was hanging there. Later that night, she finds the dead man hiding in her chimney, and after a similar line of questioning, he attacks her. Now, in addition to the macabre subject matter, the other reason that these stories are so popular is how they are told. And this is something that Mark Twain talks about in his book, How to Tell a Story and Other Essays. Not only does he tell the golden arm story I just shared with you, but he also gives advice on how to practice your delivery for the best results possible which in his mind is making at least one person scream and jump out of their seat. To sum up his advice, he says to speak just quietly enough so the audience has to lean in to hear you, causing them to block out all other stimuli, to act out specific parts of the story, like shivering and shaking when the husband is trudging his way through the blizzard, and he puts a ton of emphasis on... The pause. He says, let that awe-inspiring pause begin to build itself in the deep hush. When it has reached exactly the right length, jump suddenly at that girl and yell, you've got it. If you've got the pause right, she'll fetch a dear little yelp and spring right out of her shoes. But you must get the pause right, and you will find it the most troublesome and aggravating and uncertain thing you ever undertook. Interestingly, Alvin Schwartz opens scary stories to tell in the dark with a very similar spiel, and the story he opens the collection with is The Big Toe, his personal variant of the golden arm tale that Mark Twain suggested practicing with. Hopefully you can tell that I took some of these men's advice for this episode. I'll admit, it's kind of hard to practice when my audience has a camera that doesn't show any emotion, even when I put googly eyes on it. But if we're gonna make scary stories like this one a regular feature on this channel, I've gotta hone my skills. As much love as Mark Twain gives the pause though, I would argue that for the pause to be effective, you need a proper buildup. Which brings us to the other trope that these stories all have in common. The closing episode in which a supernatural visitor terrorizes the main character with increasingly ominous threats. Damn, that's a bigger mouthful than the toe Augie ate. To put it simply, these are stories where the threat looming over the protagonist slowly increases in its intensity until it reaches the climax and the story suddenly ends. That's what happened to the boy in the big toe story, the husband in the golden arm, and coincidentally, another story I shared a few weeks ago. The very messed up tale of the Taily Poe. 
Be sure to check that out if you haven't yet, because it's a great story, and combined with the art and sound design, it's a truly haunting experience. But while most all of the stories in this category are spooky, there's one that I found that is also downright hilarious an Italian variant called Caterinetta. And instead of our hero eating something that belongs to a corpse, causing that corpse to seek revenge, all she does is eat a piece of cake. Sounds innocent enough, but there is one big issue. She was meant to deliver that cake to her aunt, who just so happened to be an evil witch. You see, when Caterinetta starts the walk to her aunt's, she has a whole piece of cake in a pan. But as the journey goes on, she starts eating tiny little bites out of it. By the time she reaches her aunt's, she's eaten the entire thing, so she panics and looks for a solution, which she finds in the form of cow poop. That's right, she was supposed to deliver cake, but decides that cow poop is a close enough substitute, which speaks volumes about her mother's cooking skills. Caterinetta picks up some cow sh plops it in the pan, shapes it to her liking, drops it off at her aunt's, and immediately runs back home. She doesn't stick around long enough to see the witch's reaction, but she didn't have to, because the witch hunted her down just like the corpses in the previous stories. Caterinetta wakes up to the sound of her aunt calling out to her, and soon enough, she's eaten alive. So I guess we learned two lessons in this episode. One, do not disrespect the dead under any circumstances, and two, don't try to pass off cow shit's cake. If only that scam artist Logan Paul had heard these stories, he could have avoided both of his biggest controversies. But I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the big toe. Did you read this story as a kid? If so, what was your experience with it? And what other tales from the Scary Story series do you think I should cover? Let me know by hitting up Messed Up Origins on any of our social media pages. Links to those are in the description. And make sure you sacrifice those five star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to get more messed up myths and fairy tales sent to your device device every Friday morning. Also remember to use code RIP15 to be one of the first 100 people who gets a discount on our Underworld Overlords merch. I'll see you all again next week when we dive into some death-centric Greek mythology. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. Mm -hmm.